Well, you just heard the intro music. You know what time it is. It's time for another episode of The Make. My name is Trevor DeVage. Another one already? Another Another one. one? Another one. It's crazy. They just keep coming, don't they? They just keep showing up. Uh, Another episode's here. Um, Hey, how how many episodes are we going to do this season? We've talked about this. We we took a break last year um, at the end of the year, right? Was that right? Yeah, we, we took a break uh, between Christmas and New Year. So Yeah, yeah. So we, we took like a two-week break. Um, we're, we may take a break after May. We may take a month break in like June and then hit it back up in July. Uh, so if uh, if you're of the listening persuasion on the weekly, we may take a little break in June, but we'll be right back at you in July. Come in with fresh content. We may even do a new intro. What do you know? Like we may, we may, we may jack some new music in there and have some fun with y'all and make it a little more... Uh, I don't know. We may take a little hip hop flair this next season. Who knows? You, you never know. Our, our first our first season we did oh, I think twenty two episodes, and this is episode fifteen of season two. So wait, this is episode fifteen? Of season two. So Hey, look at us. We're a full blown toddler now. Like uh we're about to hit our terrible twos. Be careful, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it could get real nuts around here. <laughs> and I heard threes what are saying, what he's saying is it's gonna get worse. The derailments are gonna get more frequent. Yeah, well, when I heard, you know, when I had kids, they were like, oh, terrible twos, but threes are worse than twos. It was true. So, hey, by season three, you <laughs> either you'll stop listening altogether or you'll be like, I got to get more people to hear this craziness because uh, <laughs> they they just got on crazy train and they can't get off. Um, so, Dylan, we are now uh, in a brand new series, um, kicked off this last week, um, yep. winning the war in your mind. Um, did I say that? I feel like I say that wrong every time. Is that what it's called? Winning the war in your mind? Yes. Yeah, it's winning the war in your mind. Sometimes we've actually accidentally been referring to it as winning the war on your mind. Well, I, um, I, fact- I could make the argument that it could be both. Um, there's a war on your mind and in your mind, um, and it happens quite on, often. Um, so, man, talk to me. We kicked off this series this weekend, um, and I, I again, I, we say this all the time, right? Like, I think this is one of those series is going to change a lot of things in the lives of people, um, but I really think this is one of them. And... Um, just why don't you, uh, I'm Dylan. I, I, t- I said this last week, but I, I want you to just kind of drive this this car today to of the conversation because I think there's a lot of places we can go with this, um, and we don't have to focus, but I think we need to lean into some of these spots. And um, I, I think, and here's a, here's where I think the generational gap between you and I helps. Um, I, and I meant I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast. Like I, I'm I'm literally I'm 44 this week, and um, happy birthday. Hey, thanks. It's uh, actually, is that Wednesday, the 19th? Yeah, it's whenever people are going to be listening. When so. you hear the podcast, I will be one step closer to Jesus, um, just so y'all know. Um, <laughs> that's the most morbid way I could say my birthday is on Wednesday. Um, and here's the good news. I, I will not be here on Wednesday. I will be in a cabin with some of my favorite people on the planet um, that do ministry around the country. And then I'm getting on a plane on Thursday from Phoenix and flying to Toledo to hang out with my daughter for a day and a half. I'm going to go up there and awesome. um, that's my kind of my birthday present to me. I had some flight miles I had to use up. So I'm, uh, I'm going to fly up there for a day and a half, hang out with my daughter, meet the, meet the not new boyfriend, but the, the boyfriend. And uh, we're going to go see Darian and Isaiah and Lion King. Uh, they open in Toledo on my birthday and, nice. uh, and then uh, play some golf with my daughter and then get on a plane, and fly back home on Saturday and be here for church on Sunday. It's going to be crazy. 
It's going to be fun, though. It is going to be fun. Like, this is one of those trips where I'm like, I'm not stressed about the travel because I'm like, who cares? Uh, it didn't cost me. It cost me $11.48. I had to pay tax um, on my free flight miles <laughs> that I've spent. That's your, ta- that's your tax and security fees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, tax for sure. I don't know about all these security fees. I, I don't know what that's about. But uh, so what are we what are we talking about today? Oh, so, oh, yeah, oh hold on. Hold on. Let me let me finish chasing my rabbit. Um, I chased like two other rabbits that took off out of the woods. Um, but I think this is where the generational gap helps is because at 44, I was I, I was in a generational gap still where we just didn't we didn't talk about these issues at all. Like the, this was not a conversation. I, my, like I grew up with a dad who fought in Vietnam. My dad was on the podcast with us a, a few months ago. And my dad grew up in a generation that came back from war and nobody helped them. They're like, all right, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go figure it out. Um, and that was passed on to my generation of where we got a little better at sharing what we were feeling, but we didn't talk about any of the mental health stuff that's going on to where now, Dylan, you're, how old are you now? Say that louder. I didn't, I didn't quite hear that. Uh, <laughs> thanks Mickey. Um, 28 years old. Um, and there's a, there's a gap between you and I, where I think your generation is, I think they've learned how to have this conversation better than any in the history we've seen so far. And so the reason I kind of want you to drive this conversation a little bit today is I think there's a generational gap here that we can help close on where I can help my generation navigate what your generation is asking us to talk about. Because last week you said you've waited for years and think the church should have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, like Trevor said, we, we started this new series this week. Um, and uh, if you didn't get to listen to to it um it's on the website for you to go back and listen to now so i would definitely encourage you to listen to it um listen to all the messages in this series because it's going to be a really good one um but one thing uh we talked about proverbs 23 7 uh in the message and uh it says for as he thinks in his heart so is he um and so kind of talking about you know our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts and that's one thing that I don't think you know like you said we haven't unpacked it well enough because growing up I always you know whenever we talked about things like that, um, I, we were kind of pointed towards uh, Proverbs 18, where it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we were kind of taught to like, you know, the things that you say about others, like you can, you can, you can speak ill of someone and then it affects them or someone can speak ill of you and it affects you. Um, and so we were kind of, you know, taught growing up that it stopped there. Um, but unpacking this, um, you know, in Proverbs 23, as he thinks, uh, so he is. Yeah, And so just, just kind of thinking about that, um, our, our brains have a lot more power, um, over us than I, than I think we, we really give them credit for. Um, and, and actually I, I think obviously I wasn't in the room on Sunday, but correct me if I'm wrong, you had that, that brain illustration yeah. on the back wall. Yes. And that like, just, just kind of looking at that, like that's obviously it's an animated illustration and it's not a real 3d rendering of a brain. Um, but just just thinking about how the brain works um it i i would love to have like a neurologist on in this series honestly on the podcast uh just to get a perspective from them um on on how how your brain processes things um and, and how it it literally has power over you yeah um but uh thinking about that um what like what are some things that you know, we, we can get personal on this podcast. It's our podcast. What are some things I I think a lot of people really started to believe in the power of, of your mind, um, in the power of mental health kind of around the time of COVID. I think that that kind of, um, 
became a turning point for some people to be willing to address and talk about this topic a little bit more. Um, was there anything around in that time of COVID, uh, especially in the early to middle part of it, um, the lockdown kind of drove some people nuts? Um, what was that like for you? Because that that's whenever I really started kind of addressing mental health in my life. Yeah. See, for me, it happened pre-COVID, which is really interesting. By the time I got to COVID, here, here's what was weird for me during COVID. I didn't have this big, like, massive mental freak out breakdown. Like, I, I, I never, it never happened to me in COVID. Um, and maybe this is my DNA a little bit. Like, when, when trauma hits the world, when trauma hits in front of me, like, I get laser focused on all right, if somebody's got to be clarity and move forward, then I want to be a part of that. And so I just, when, when we shut down and we, I was in Ohio then when we shut down, I mean, I, I literally went into this mode of like, all right, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to get there. This is what we're going to be. Um, it, you know, I didn't, even though we were on lockdown, I didn't stay in my house all day. Um, I still went to an office every day. Nobody else was there, but me and our executive pastor in Ohio, Alan, we were, we went every day. And, you know, we did temperature checks and had to wear, if there was more people that were there, which there was very rarely, um, we would mask up and all that kind of stuff that we were told we had to do at the time. And, um, but then like my gym closed, I couldn't go to the gym. So I built a gym in my house and I was like, well, I can still work out. I got a house. Like I got to, we have these things in Ohio called basements where you can like live under your house. Right. And, um, and so I built a gym in our basement and I worked out every day. Uh, I, our golf course was open. I could play golf all, all the time. You know, as long as we walk six feet apart, you could play all the golf you wanted to walk. And, uh, so we walked and played golf and, um, like I, life for me, I mean, yes, it changed significantly. If I'm just, it changed for everybody. Um, my kids were home from school. They like schools were closed. They, they were doing zoom classes. Like zoom wasn't a th- Do you remember zoom wasn't a really a thing. It was Skype. No one, had, no one had heard of zoom. No, I mean, I knew it was a business tool, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, hey, we're going to have Zoom class for, it It sounds like you're going to an exercise class. Hey, you want to come to Zoom today? Yeah, that'd be fun. It's like Zumba without the buh. Um, and, and so, or, but during COVID, like, I, I'll just be honest with you. My mental health actually was more stable during COVID than it was pre-COVID. If you want to know the Interesting. truth. Yeah, I went through this weird, um, I, I don't know if we talked about this offline or we talked about this at the end of the last episode, but um, I, I've, I had a really like I had this period of anxiety and darkness that hit me about a year before COVID um, to the point I went, I went and saw a doctor. I was like, something's off. I don't understand what's off. I don't know what's going on with me. I talked to a couple of my friends uh, and I, they were like, man, I think you need to go see somebody. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, if I'm being really honest, like, and I like really honest, and I don't mean this offensive because I, my, I do not think this at this point in my life. But I think before that moment, I had in my mind, I'm like, if I have to go see a doctor for medicine or for something going on mentally with me, I'm weak. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of person that God wants me to be. And I well, had... That's kind of what I was saying. Like, that's, that's kind of the approach that, even though maybe not all of us would have said that, you know, two, three years ago, um, yeah. that, that's kind of where our heads were. Well, but the... The church, notoriously, people in the church, I shouldn't say the church, people in the church have notoriously said, well, if you just pray a little more, if you read the Bible, if you're a little more faithful, then you won't feel that way. And I'm like, and I did, I'm not, I don't think I bought into that as much, 
But I think what I did buy into is if I can't fix this myself, I'm just weak. They're, they're just like, and I'm, and I'm a, I'm a pastor. I should be able to figure this out. Like I pray for people to figure this out. But then I had this moment where I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, what advice would I give me if I came in to meet with me about this? Because I've told people, Hey, you need to go to a counselor. I've got, I've had a counselor for over a decade. Um, and I, and I, I would always frame that. It's like going to the dentist. You don't go to the dentist when you get a cavity, you go to the dentist every six months. So it's preventative care. Um, if you wait 20 years ago to the dentist and you can't figure out why you got to have four root canals is because you didn't do the preventative care. And so I would actually counsel people, Hey, you ought to go to counseling because that's preventative care. It's not when your marriage or your life falls apart, go before. So it doesn't fall apart. And I had this moment where I was like, if someone was in my office telling me I would go to counseling, I'm in a dark place. Um, I don't know what to do with it. I would have immediately have been like, I let's figure out how to get you some help. Like, let's get you with yeah. the doctor. Maybe there, maybe there's something out of balance right now. Uh, not forever and ever, but maybe temporary. Um, and so I, I decided to take my own advice that I would give someone else. And I, I just, I had a friend that was a, a, a doctor and I called him. I was like, I don't know what's going on. He goes, well, come in and see me. And I went in and he said, um, he goes, I'm going I'm to put you on the lowest dose of Lexapro that I can. It was like, I, I don't, I can't remember. It was like five milligrams. He goes, I just want you to take it for a month. And I was like, oh, really? Medicine? Like, you, you don't think I can fix this without medicine? He goes, I'm not telling you I'm trying to fix anything. He goes, let's just see. Um, my anxiety, I had panic attacks. I was waking up in the middle of the night with like sweats and cold and hot. And um, like, I, I, it's never happened in my life. Like, you got to understand, like, this is brand new to me three and a half, four years ago. And I'm having this, like, I'm like, what is happening to me right now? We were under mass amounts of stress. Um, we were in a building program. We were in a, in a growth curve. We were, um, this was pre-pandemic. Keep that in mind. This is long before COVID hit. Um, and we were dealing with some turmoil in the church. Like, I, there was, you know, there's, there was just fires I was putting out all the time. And I, I was having the, I couldn't sleep. Um, and I'd come home from work. I'd lay on the couch. I'd, I'd literally fall asleep at 4.30 in the afternoon and sleep till like 7.30 at night. And then get up and have dinner and hang out with my family for a little bit and then go to bed at like 10 o'clock. And like, I just, I wasn't functioning and it really, it scared the living daylights out of me. And so I didn't want to use medicine, but my doctor friend, he was like, just give it a month, see what happens. Um, so I did, I took this and here's, what's crazy, Dylan. I didn't tell anybody that I was taking medicine. Um, I didn't tell my wife that I was taking medicine. My wife's a nurse. Like I didn't tell anybody. I was like, I was embarrassed and scared. Like I didn't want anybody to know. And so I, I literally took a month's worth of Lexapro, like whatever the smallest dosage I could take. Um, and I'll be honest with you. It helped me do two things. It helped me sleep and it helped me not panic as much. I say as much, it was still there. Um, but I didn't like the way how it made me feel in certain parts of the day. So I went back to the doctor after a month and I was like, man, I don't think I can keep taking this. It's helped. Um, so he took me off of it, but he said, I, he goes, then you need good people around you to speak into. And so I, I call, I'm in this mentor group of guys that, um, I'm actually, um, I'm heading up there this week. That's where I'm headed, uh, before I go to Toledo. And uh, by the time you hear this, I'll already be there. And this group of guys, I called a couple of those guys in that group and I was telling them what was going on. They prayed for me. Um, and then it became like a daily check-in. How are you doing today? You doing all right? Um, then one of the other guys in our group went through like almost three months later, same things start going on. And he calls me. He's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, listen, you need to get to a doctor. Um, and he did. And he got, ironically, got on Lexapro. 
Um, and he went through a couple different medicines and realized that for a season, he needed this medicine to actually regulate and calm him down. And I've had Christians tell me, well, if you got to take medicine, then you don't have enough faith in God. And I'm like, interesting. So have you ever had a headache and take an ibuprofen? Well, if you got enough faith in God, your headache will just go away. It, well, eventually your headache's probably going to go away. But if I could expedite the process of getting my headache gone, then God created doctors with good minds to create the wonderful drug of ibuprofen. Well, that's, what I, that's what I was about to say. I think we, we are very quick in the church uh, as a whole. And I think you would probably agree. We've both been around ministry for a while. Um, I think we're pretty quick to say, oh, God wants to use your talents and gifts. And we kind of limit that to serving in the cafe or serving kids ministry or serving on the worship team or, you know, creative department. Like, but in reality, God gave, like you said, doctors, these brilliant minds to be able to make these things to help us. Absolutely. And so that like, being a difference maker, like we've talked about, doesn't stop whenever you leave campus. I would say it, it, more often than not, should start when you leave campus. Well, but it, the mental health piece of this is what's so interesting because if you have cancer or your loved one has cancer, what's the first thing you do? You go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. And what's the first thing you do after that? It, for most people is if the doctor recommends, hey, we need to do surgery and then we need to get you, like my dad, my dad got cancer seven years ago. Um, and my dad, um, at the recommendation of his surgeon and the doctor was like, uh, we want to do an aggressive six months of chemo. Now, chemo is is toxic, and it's poison, and it's killing something in your body. Um, but my dad said, all right, let's do whatever it takes. Let's do that. Um, now, my dad would, and I think he would openly share this now, because, uh, but my dad was in Vietnam 58 years ago, and my dad came back with PTSD. They didn't know what PTSD was when my dad came back from Vietnam. They didn't diagnose PTSD till 1986. Um, so my dad has walked around for... 50 plus years with PTSD and no help. And so when my dad got cancer, it was like, we're going to do everything in our power to get dad. Well, that, that was a goal We're medicine doctors. Um, my dad fought PTSD for 56 years before he went to counseling, but now he goes, um, and he goes every week. And now my dad's actually talking about the things he should have been talking about. And the difference is, is like, we, if you got cancer, we want you to go to the doctor. If you have a mental health issue, well, just pray. Well, yeah. if you got cancer, I'm going to pray as well. I've seen God heal cancer. I've also seen Carlos Whitaker. If you follow Carlos, he's Carlos is a, a huge social media influencer, uh, was a pastor in the church. and um, No, he's still a pastor in the church. He's just a pastor of a lot of churches. He's an author. He's a former worship leader, touring worship leader, worked with Andy Stanley, worked at Sandals Church out in California. Um, Carlos fought depression hard for years, and he would tell you that God has delivered him from that, all of it, without meds. But he also says, um, I also understand medicine is good for some people. Um, I, I've had, there's, I've got a, a, my mom's stepbrother, my uncle Jim, um, and his entire line of family dealt with depression back. I don't, we're talking about in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Um, I mean, he, my uncle Jim tried to take his own life and, and it didn't work. Um, he actually put a shotgun in his mouth and it slipped out and he missed. Um, and thankfully he missed, but, and he, but he was on lithium for years and years and years. And you could tell when he didn't take his medicine and he needed it. There was a chemical imbalance in him. He needed the medicine. Um, and here's what I would tell you as a listener, if you're struggling with mental health, um, don't try to muscle through. Don't do that. Because when you try to muscle through or when the, the worst thing my uncle Jim would do is when he'd start to feel good, he'd stop taking his medicine because he was feeling good. 
He's like, well, I don't need this anymore. I feel good. No, you feel good because you, they've got you in balance with the medicine that you're taking. It, it's okay. Um, but I, I, well, it's a similar thing too. Like whenever you get the flu or something and you're, or, you know, whatever, whatever ailment you may go to the doctor for, if you stop taking your medicine because you start feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you may get better, but like, there's a reason that the doctor gave you a prescription that has X amount of days, X amount of right. bills. We right. finished the prescription. Well, like my dad got right before they came out here in December, my dad got really sick, like bronchitis kind of stuff. Um, well, he started to feel better. So what did he do? My dad went and played golf. Then he couldn't figure out why he was down for three extra days afterwards. And it actually caused them to leave two days late to come out here. Um, and he was like, yeah, I should have just stayed down the way the doctor told me to. He goes, but I felt good. So I decided to go do. Um, well, sometimes you feel good and you stop doing what you know you ought to do because you feel good, but you actually feel good because you're doing what you ought to do. Um, and I, I, I do agree. I mean, there's a biblical piece to this too. What, what is in your mind usually is what comes out in your life. We talked about that this last weekend. And, and it's really interesting. I'm not, this isn't like self-helpy, just so you know. Like I, I really believe in the power of God's word, the power of prayer, the power of faith. I believe in all of those things. Um, and I, I really believe if I, when I've started filling my mind with things of the word, when I, here's what I know. If I, it's, this is my prescription for me now. If I don't read scripture every morning of some way, shape or form, I, I don't, I don't spend hours every morning in scripture. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it is an hour. Um, but I have a spot. I have a plan. I have a place. I, I sit down and I read scripture. If I miss that for a period of time, you know, it's interesting. My thoughts are way different. Like it, It's way different. If I, if I don't pray first thing in the morning for what's coming, um, if I miss a few days of that, my thoughts are way different. It spills out differently in my life. Um, if I'm not engaged with God and community with other people. So like last night, or not last night, I guess it was, well, I had some guys this week and last week. Um, but last week I had seven dudes on my back porch. Um, they think it's just to come hang out at my house. The reality is it's putting us in community with other people so we can deal through the things of life. And all those guys on that back porch, when they come to my house, I intentionally bring guys into the fold that don't all believe and think and live the same. Because you need those perspectives. And I, and I think that if you want to really deal with mental health, you can't walk alone in this path. you got to find somebody to walk this with you. Um, and don't find another unhealthy person to think that they're going to help you be healthy. Um, you got to find healthy people that will speak life into you and get you the right help when you need it. Um, but my, that's a really long answer to my, all of the stuff I dealt with was pre-COVID. Um, so when I got, here's what I f was really weird for me with COVID. When I got into COVID coming out of that, I was actually clearer on understanding like, okay, I'm ready to go. I can do this. Um, now on the backside of COVID coming out of it um, was probably the hardest year of my life, not because of COVID, but because there was extenuating circumstances out of my control where somebody in COVID went, lost their mind. And I became a casualty of them losing their mind. Um, and so I, it wasn't, but then what did that do? That put me into the PTSD of where I'd been to where I began to question. But here's what's interesting. Uh, when some of this stuff went down, you know what's really weird is on the back end of it, I'd never felt more rested in my entire life. Like It was like a decade of weight that I didn't know I was carrying. had been pressing on my chest, and I couldn't breathe and didn't know it. I just got used to breathing less. And, and when the weight got lifted, I was like, oh, that's what the oxygen of life feels like. And I, I slept like 13 hours. And I, you know me, Dylan. You've traveled with me. You know me. I... I've never slept in my entire life more than four or five hours a night. 
it's just, I, I want to, I don't wear it as a badge of honor. Um, I just don't require as much sleep as other people. I slept 13 hours and I woke up and I was like, I've not had that much sleep in decades because I was wearing this weight. And, uh, interestingly enough now, here we are in Arizona and I like, I sleep really well. I don't sleep long, but I sleep really well. Um, but I've also got good people around me. Um, and if, if I'm dealing with something mentally, I talk about it right away. Like Roger, our executive pastor, um, Roger and I are really close. Um, he's one of the guys I'll walk into his office, shut the door and go, Hey bro, I'm struggling through this. Can we talk? Yeah, let's talk. Um, Glenn, former, former lead pastor here who I, I got the privilege to be, uh, the next in line after, uh, Glenn's one of those guys, if I'm struggling through something, I can call Glenn and go, Hey man, I need you to talk me off this ledge or I need you to jump with me with a parachute. I, I need somebody. Um, and then our elders, our elders are that I, I really feel like uh, I'm in an environment, maybe for one of the first times in 24 years, almost 25 years in ministry where I can, I can walk in our elder room and have full confidence that if I say I'm struggling, they've got my back. Um, and th- dude, that's huge. I mean, that's when you think through that, that's at least, and then my mentor group of guys. So I've got like 15 dudes that I could pick up a phone right now and they can walk through life with me. And there was a period where I felt like I had nobody if I picked up the phone, which was not true. That was a lie I was believing. But in some regards, it was true because I wasn't allowing myself to do it. <clears throat> I would say kind of similar to you and in, in similar, but at the same time in a much different way. Um, I, I didn't realize what was going on at the time, but I kind of like preemptively had myself ready for the anxiety and if I'm being honest, just depression that came along with COVID a little bit. Um before I moved to Arizona and now I'm in California, but before I moved to Arizona, um, I had gone through, like I I was engaged and then I went through a really ugly, nasty breakup. Um, and one of the things you said this weekend that really stood out to me was, uh, what we think about matters more than you can imagine what comes into your mind comes out in your life. And so again, like you kind of just talking about, um, you know, the lies that you chose to believe, um, there was definitely a, a season for me where, you know, coming out of that broken engagement where I was like, okay, well, if I stay in this place, which I ultimately did end up moving, but if I stay in this place, I'm just going to be the guy who, you know, isn't on staff at a church anymore. And I'm, you know, I don't have a fiance anymore. And I I chose to just really sit and believe those lies so much so that, and, you know, I'm glad that it it worked out the way that it did years later, but I, I chose to just leave the state that I was in altogether and move across the country to Arizona to just try something different. Well, you, um, you actually left two states there. You left your physical state to move to a new state and you left your mental state to get to a new state. And so like that to say, like I leaving the state that I was in physically, um, Alabama to move to Arizona. Um, I, I did a lot of processing with a couple of friends that I've got, um, two or three guys that I'm super close with, kind of like your guys, um, just kind of sat with me in that, that season, and walked with me um, through the emotions that I was feeling and helped me to, uh, you know, they spoke more truth into me in that season that I could speak for myself. Um, and, and I think that those kind of friendships are super important because I, like, let's not kid ourselves. Like me and you both, like we have both been in those seasons where it's like, I, I don't have a good thing to say about myself. Yeah. I, I don't have a good thought to believe about myself. Like I, I, I just, I'm not there. And so you've got these guys, these or girls, whatever it is, you've got these friends around you that, uh, that can do that for you. And so I had those. And so moving across the country to Arizona, um, really kind of thinking I had it all in check. And then, um, 
lockdown comes around. And so then I've like, okay, well now I've got a lot of free time on my hands. Um, and so whenever you've got a lot of free time on your hands, sometimes the silence is the loudest moment you can be in. Um, because a lot of those thoughts came back in waves. Um, it's stuff that I had dealt with. Um, so it wasn't quite as fresh and stuff that I'd processed and, um, but like it came back and thank God that I had chosen to sit with my friends, um, and my, my community prior to that, because had I not sitting in that, I, I would have been paralyzed. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, fast forward through that, like at the point of lockdown, that's when me and Melissa just started dating. Um, and so that's another voice that was able to speak into me. And she, you know, she was able to say like, Hey, we haven't known each other that long, but from what I've known, from what I've observed, like these thoughts that you're dealing with, like, that's not who I know you to be. Um, and so I had my friends back in Alabama and in Tennessee speaking those same things into me, like, Hey, this may be what you're feeling, but that's not who I know you to be. Um, and so enough of those powerful voices speaking into me whenever I couldn't believe better for myself or of myself. Um, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Well, and this, this is what I love though, is on for both of our stories, there was these dark periods, but you get on the other side of the darkness and you see the light and you look back and I don't know if you've done this, but I look back at the year before I came to Arizona was probably the dark, like one of the darkest, hardest years I've been in. Um, and I look back though, it was through that darkness that it, had I not gone through that darkness, I would not appreciate the light that I'm in. And, oh, absolutely. and you, and you look at that darkness and you go, had that not happened, had that not happened, had that not happened. I don't, I don't think God caused it. I think God allowed it. Um, yeah. I don't think God wants to put me through pain, but sometimes pain is the best growth point. And, and, and sometimes we, that's the other thing. And I want to be careful how I say this because, um, I have so many friends that have dealt with like real hard mental health. Um, but I think sometimes we blame mental health on our hard seasons of life. Um, and maybe it's just a hard season. Maybe it's actually a pain point you need to go through. Um, it, you know, I wake up every morning now. I'm and I, 44 years old. Um, I'm not 24 anymore. Um, my body hurts in ways every morning that it didn't hurt 20 years ago. Um, I'm in the gym every day. And you would think, being in the gym every day, you wouldn't hurt anymore. I hurt more. Um, but I'm willing to go through that pain every day. And it's not, it's not like medical pain. Like I just, I'm sore. My, my muscles just hurt all the time now. Um, but I, I'm willing to go through that pain and that tension because I know that pain and that tension actually makes me healthier. Um, and I, I don't blame that. Like I'm not in the gym going, well, if these weights weren't so heavy, this wouldn't hurt. It, yeah. You know, now listen, that is a very small caveat to say, I know some of us and some of you are dealing with some real mental health need help issues and, and the pain in your past is actually what has caused the, the mental health. It's been an abuse. It's been a, like, I'm not negating any of that. I'm just saying sometimes we go through pain and we want to make, then we want to make mental health the, the scapegoat for there's just the pain we need to go through. Um, and I think it's a fine line. You know, I think it's a real fine line. There's moments where I'm like, I've wanted to blame some of the dark mental things I've gone through on whatever's going on in this season. And God's like, no, 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 no. These aren't the same things. Like that, that was a really dark mental place where you needed these people around you and you needed to get some real help. This here is just, this is life pain that everybody's going to have to go through. So I'm going to need you to go through that. Get people to go with it, go with you through it if you need to. Yeah. Um, but let's not, let's not always make the mental piece 
the scapegoat. But at the same time, let's not minimize it either. Like there's a balance in there. Um, and, and I'm saying that more to myself than anybody, because I think there's times where I can just go, well, I'm going to take a mental health day. And what that really says is I'm, I'm just tired and worn out. So I'm just going to take a day off. Okay. Then go take PTO. I got PTO. Use it. Um, like day after Easter, a couple weeks ago, we gave our staff, it was staff prayer day. Right. Um, and I actually told our staff, I'm like, you can do whatever you want for your staff prayer day. I need you to recharge mentally. That's what I need you. If you don't work in the church, you maybe you don't understand that like just the like the mental drain coming off a weekend like Easter is it's good. It's beautiful, but you pour all this stuff out and you're empty and you come back in. It's like we still have Sunday coming. Like we had a Sunday coming after Easter that was like, "All right. Here we go again. Let's do it." Um but I I love like for me the day after Easter I, slept, I, I say I slept in. I was up at 6 o'clock. Um, but compared to the 3.35 that I got up on Easter, um, yeah. I slept in. And uh, I got up, had coffee, hung out in the house with my wife, my daughter, before she went to school. Um, and then I had a couple of buddies that called, and they were going through some stuff, some mental stuff. And were like, hey, is it possible that you could get away and play golf today? We know you're not in the office. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Went and played golf. Hung out, played golf. Um, walk through some life with a guy um, who needed it, really some mental health stuff. He's This wasn't scapegoat. This is like he's dealing with some really dark stuff. Um, brought another guy along that had been through some of the same things he'd been through. We walked through it with him together. Uh, got done with golf, went home, hung out with my wife and my kid and sat on my back patio and had some prayer time and um, just literally chilled out and had a moment and uh, and then had like seven dudes at my house that night and poured into them. And, but I think a lot of times we pour out, pour out, pour out. We forget we need to fill back up. You can't pour out of an empty cup. Um, you can try, um, but it's really hard to pour anything out of an empty cup. Um, if you don't refill that cup, there's nothing to pour back out. And, and I would just say you've got to, but don't, don't always blame the emptiness on just the mental health piece. Sometimes life just drains you. Um, but take time to recharge. Because if you, Dylan, if you and I don't recharge after, say, an Easter, working in our world, if we don't take the time to recharge, that is where it will turn into a dark mental place. Oh, absolutely. That that's one thing that I was thinking about. Um, you know, as we get ready to to record this podcast today was you know, exactly what you said. Our, our staff getting that day of prayer, and I mean, really for me, like, yeah, I I spent some time in prayer that day, but just spending that day to rest. I mean, like, we, you know, my call time on Sunday was. 4.30, got there at 4.30, did the four services, hit the road at three o'clock, drove six and a half hours back to California, got home at 10.30 at night. So if you still like, lived in Tucson, home. you wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> I got home and I was like, ah, I don't want to like, I don't want to get up in the morning and go to work. Um, like I, I don't, I don't have anything to give. Right. It's not because like, I don't want to go do this. I don't want to be a part of this ministry. I like, that's not, that's not the heart. The heart is, I, I, I think we've been made to feel guilty sometimes that we need to catch our breath. Right. And we've talked about that in hustle, hustle culture before. Um, but definitely just getting that chance to, to catch, catch your breath, um, and not using that as like a scapegoat. Well, and see, and I'm on the other side, I came off Easter. I got up yesterday. I knew I was dog tired. Um, when I wake up and I'm six octaves lower in my voice than I was the day before, um, I'm like, I make Barry white sound like a soprano after Easter. Like I, I'm just, it's like your Mickey Mouse impersonation is what he sounds like compared to how I sound. And, and I, but I woke up and I was like, because of how incredible that day was, like there was part of me yesterday, if I'm being really honest, I wanted to come in the office and be like, dude, let's, let's start figuring out how we move this and do this. And, and 
and my head just started going pew, 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 pew. And like, it was like a pinball going on in my head of all these things I was thinking about. Um, and that was where God reminded me. He's like, if you do not slow down today, you will not have the capacity for tomorrow. Um, and if you don't have the capacity tomorrow, you're going to fall off a cliff. That See, that's where if you don't recognize the moments you need to fill up, and that's not a, you don't need to take a cruise. You don't need to go to the islands. You, 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 that can be as simple as, you know what? I'm taking a half day of PTO and I'm going to go do something that fills my tank. I'm going to go hike. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go where, whatever it is for you. Uh, for me, I go play golf by myself. It's the most head clearing thing I can do because I don't have to think about anything else except chasing a little white ball around a golf course. Um, and for whatever reason, if I do it by myself, I, I'm not on for anybody. I can just decompress. Um, and, and I, I think you've got to find the, and there's days where I'll just go, you know what? I'm going to take a day off. It's not a mental yeah. health day. It's just a, it's a, I'm going to take a day off. I have it now. I'm not going to, if there's something I have to be at or something I have to do, I'm not, I'm not going to not do that. Um, but if it's where I've got some margin, there's all of us have margin. We just choose what to do with that margin. Um, and, and so I, I think you, before you fall off the cliff mentally and some, and everybody's got to know where your breaking point is, but honestly, if you actually take the right breaks and fill your tank every week, every day, like there's little things you can do every day to fill your mental tank, to keep you from going off the edge. Um, and, and I, I just think that we've got to put those mark, but it starts with community. You've got to have people around you. Don't be a lone ranger fighting mental issues. Um, and, and, and like, this is not to, to segue into a moment because, you know, we, we talked a little bit before this, uh, we're not actually going to do a coffee time today because it's like, this is just a really big topic to unpack. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, like coffee, like that's, that's one of those spaces. Yeah. Like I, that's how I recharge sometimes. That's how right. I catch my breath. Um, you know, I, I remember I had a, a mentor, um, I say had, he's, he's still here. He's still with us. He's still actually a mentor and a really good friend. Um, but when I lived in Alabama, he came to uh, my office and uh, we were just sitting there talking and catching up and just talking life. And I went over to my coffee stand that I had in my office at the time and made coffee for us. And he's like, man, doesn't that get old? Like, like you could just pop a, pop a pot in and, and have a cup. I was like, yeah, I get that um, for a variety of reasons. That's not what I want to do. But um the process of actually making the coffee, like doing something slowing with my down, hands, slowing down and catch like right now, like what I do is, you know, Melissa gets up in the morning, she goes to work and she makes lunch for both of us and she makes breakfast and then she goes and she felt really bad for a while. She's like, I keep leaving dishes in the sink. I'm so sorry. And I was like, don't, because what I do in the middle of the day, whenever I feel kind of overwhelmed, I catch my breath, go downstairs, do something with my hands, wash the dishes, put them away. And that's like something that I can do to catch my breath and take yeah. a break. Um, and so like, maybe that, maybe that's you too. Like our listener, um, I, I wouldn't, I would encourage doing something with your hands, you know, for you, Trevor, like that's, that's going out and golfing. That's actually doing something to recharge yourself. Um, but if you don't have that time, if you, if you're, if you're not a golfer, um, well, like for me, you, you can go can to the gym, else. you can go for a walk. Yeah. You can, I, we, you got to know what fills your tank. You know, I, it, it's like me driving my car around and going, well, I could put water in my tank in my car. Here's the problem. If I put water in the tank, it's not the right thing for the tank. That's not, my car is going to stop running. Um, if I put diesel in my gasoline Jeep, um, I, it, it's going to fill the tank, 
but it's not, it's going to kill the tank because it's not the right thing. You got to put the right thing in the tank to fill you up. Now, if the thing you put inside of your tank to fill you up is not healthy, um, if you're self-medicating with alcohol or a drug or an addiction or, um, uh, let's be honest, these devices we carry around are not helping us whatsoever. Um, I don't know if you feel like this. I feel like if I could throw my, all my devices in a river and never use them again, I'd be a better person. I think that about once a week. I, I, I think about once an hour. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm just be honest. Like I, I was driving over the Pantano wash the other morning and I was like, I wonder how far I could throw my phone into that wash. <laughs> I literally had that moment. Like, cause I looked down on my way to the office at 7 AM and I had like 78 emails. And 15, and I can't stand the little red number on my phone being there. It stresses me out. I turned my red numbers off. Like, when, whoa, how do you do that? Go into your settings, turn them off. Wait, you can do that? Yeah. Oh, bro, you just changed my life. <laughs> now I'll never know I have messages because I just won't open. I'll be like, hey, there's nothing there. Um, that's probably not good for me either. But I, but I, like, I'm, I'm driving in. I'm like, I'm stressed. I'm like, I've got like 35 text messages. I've got 78 emails. And I'm like, I wonder how far I could throw this phone. I felt like Uncle Rico, like, I wonder if I could throw him over those mountains over there. You know, like, just full Napoleon dynamite this thing. Like, uh, then throw a stake and hit somebody in the face riding their bike. Um, it, you know, I just, I, and I think these, I think you need to take real, like, technology breaks. I think you need to spend a day where you don't open a device. Like, I, it's okay. You know what? The world will still be fine if you don't open your device. We actually have friends uh, across the country that, they do a date night every night. And so whenever they both get home from work, um, they, uh, they don't touch their phones for the rest of the evening. They lock them away in the room and they'll play. I mean, whatever, they'll play a board game. They'll watch a movie. They'll make dinner together, but that is their time to, like, yeah. I know if I want to talk to Ben after five o'clock on a Thursday night, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like he is choosing to be unplugged. Well, that's also leads to a great point. Dylan is boundaries. Yeah. Like these, these devices have um, caused us to, to not, to not put boundaries in place. I, I remember in my life when you would call somebody's house and if they didn't answer, you know, it was crazy. You, you, you might have to call back later. Yeah, you might, you might leave them a message if the answering machine wasn't full. If they had an answering machine. Like I, I remember the days like I remember the like when answering machines like were became a thing, and it was like wait you could so you can record yourself in someone's house, which for a guy like me was hilarity because I'd be like sweet I can say really dumb stuff and they have to hear it yep, um but I I like I remember I remember pre call waiting days you can't get a busy signal. My my kids don't know what a busy signal is. It, it and here's what's you know why it was called a busy signal it meant you were doing something else. Mm -hmm. And I can't get a hold of you because it's busy. Um, and I might have to wait a day for you to call me back. I remember like, you know, my mom, my mom's iPad was a pen and paper. It was like, Hey, Dylan called at three o'clock is wants to talk to you about this. If you can call him back, he said at your earliest convenience and I might call you back tomorrow and everybody was okay with it today. If like my daughter, my, my youngest daughter, I love her. She's brilliant. She will send me a text message, and if I don't answer it in literally four or five seconds, question mark, question mark, question mark, bing, question mark, question mark, bing, are you listening? I'm like, I'm typing, fool. Stop sending me text messages. Because she's in a culture that has told her immediate response. It, well, and like you, I mean, to, to even like take that a step further, you can see now 
you know, years after that has become the norm, companies, device and software companies kind of backpedaling a little bit and saying, mm, maybe that's not the best thing. Yeah. Let's, let's figure out how to draw boundaries because you've got companies like Apple who have developed like, uh, I can, I can, if I were there in town all the time, I had my phone set to where as soon as I drove on campus at Pantano, the notifications and the applications that were able to communicate with me were work. Right. And as soon as I drive off campus, my phone automatically switches over and anything from work can't get to me. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, like you can, like, it has to be an issue if these billion dollar companies are saying, okay, like we're going to actually limit the way that people can use their devices that are making us money because it's doing such bad things to their mental state. Well, there's a reason that there's a feature on my phone and my computer now that's do not disturb. Yeah. The only time you had do not disturb is when you went to a hotel and they give you that little thing to put on your door. Yeah. Now it's on my computer and it's on my phone. Um, and the problem is, is we've, we don't know, we no longer know how to set real boundaries for ourselves because here's what I know, Dylan, and, and this is, and we're friends, so I, we can, we can speak about this probably a little differently, but if I send you a text message at eight thirty at night, now I'm going to get the notification at the bottom of my phone that says Dylan's notification has been turned to do not disturb, but here's what I know, Dylan, we're good enough friends. And for sake of conversation, I'm the boss of this organization. So if you get a text message from me at 8.30 at night that just says, hey, Dill, can you give me a call real quick? I need to unpack something with you. Probably within 10 minutes, you're going to call me. Yep. If I saw it, I'm going to call you. If you see it, you're going to call me. Now, there's, there's a relational equity here that I'm probably not going to do that to you very often because I, I don't want to bother you at night when you're with your family. Um, but we most people will not put on do not disturb. And here's, here, here's the other thing. It, if you don't respond to me by, you know, the time I go to bed, uh, unless it's an emergency, if it's an emergency, I'm going to call you and I'm going to, I'll, I'll probably blow you up a little bit. Um, in the sense of I'm going to text you, I'm going to call you, I'm going to leave you voicemail. I'm going to slack you. I'm going I'm to hit you everywhere. I think I can, if it's an emergency, those yeah. are rare. Um, if it's something I need to unpack, I, I, usually my text to you will be, if you got a second, give me a call. If not, we can talk tomorrow. That yeah. lets you off the hook to keep your boundary in place. Um, and then the other side of that is, is, you know, some people can't set that boundary. So if they hear from anybody, they got to respond right away. Um, like I, I've got people that'll send me texts like, I haven't heard from you yet. I'm like, yeah, you texted me three hours ago. And I, I, I do other things other than just sit here and wait for you to text me. Yeah. It, there's, a, there's only about four people, five people max in my life that get access to me 24-7. Um, three of them live in my house. And two of them live on the other side of the country and raised me. Yeah. Short of that, like it's not that urgent. And if it is, the people that need to get a hold of me know how to do that. Um, but you've got to set boundaries. You've got like I think in the church, I think this is why like suicide rates among pastors are on the rise. Um, one, the church has created a paradigm that pastors can't live up to. Like there, there's just a absolutely the, they have they have put expectations on the pastors in their church that only Jesus can, can fulfill. And so, um, and I, Pantano has not done that here. Like I love, that's what I love about our church. There's no unrealistic expectations on me whatsoever. Uh, if there are, I don't know about them. I don't feel them. Um, but I think we've done it to ourselves too, because we think people need us. No, they don't. You know, what's interesting before I got to Tucson, nobody needed me in Tucson. It, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if I leave Tucson tomorrow, 
which I'm not, by the way, that's not foreshadowing. Um, but if I were to leave Tucson tomorrow, guess what? Somebody else will step in that'll meet your needs. Mm-hmm. And, and you can still call me. You can reach out to me. But guess what? I, I'm, I'm, I just can't meet everyone's need. And I think we as pastors in the church especially, um, I think this is why we deal with mental health issues. Because we don't talk oh. about it and we've got a God complex that we think everybody needs us. And they don't. They just don't. Well, they don't. It's pastors. It's church staff. It's. I, I really wish that. I wish that there were like not as a celebrity type thing, but I wish that there were a way for some of our people sometimes to just do a day in the life with, with Trevor, with Chris Hamlin, with Robert. With, oh, do it with Chris and Robert. Don't do it with me. You. It, <laughs> but be- just like we're just normal people. Yeah, and, and my I, my like capacity really- my capacity is no different than you. No, we it was really cool. Uh, we just hired a new staffer. Uh, her name's Amanda. She's awesome. Oh yeah, rock star. But we were having coffee. Me, her, and Robert were having coffee at Yellow Brick, and she was. I, I asked her, you know, what she thought about. She sat in her first meeting, and I said, "What'd you think about it?" And she's like, "Actually, like, it's a lot more normal than I thought. Like, you guys are just people." I was like, "Yep, yep, just people." It's weird. I don't jump into my pants every day, and they're just on. <laughs> well, and she made she made, but she also made another great observation. She goes. Uh, we were talking after cause she was at run through and she was at production and she, all these things we do every week. And she was like, you know, it's interesting being on this side. She goes, I realize this doesn't just happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into what we do. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, we, we have the privilege Dylan to be on staff at a very influential church we're, it's a privilege. Um, you know, this is the church that we're in is not normative of churches. The average church in America is 88 people. That may even be less now. Um, that was off of Barner Research a few years ago. I, I think that right there, though, is an indicator of mental health and pastors is because we have gotten into this mode of, if my church is not this size, then I'm a failure, which is not true. Um, I know guys that are in churches of 150 that are slaying it for the kingdom, but they feel like failures because, well, I don't have 500 people. And I, here's what's crazy, and, I, and this is more for the pastors that I know. There's some pastor friends that listen around the country. Here's what's interesting. I know guys that pastor churches of 35,000 people, that pastor churches of 15,000 people, 10,000 people, 5,000 people, 500 people, 100 people. You know what's interesting? All of them have the same insecurities. Because there's somebody out there that's always going to, in your mind, be better and bigger than you are, and you're always going to be trying to attain something that is not yours to attain. Well, yeah, it's it's our our human nature, right, to turn it into a competition, right? But but here's the problem with that: now you're putting a standard on what God has called you to that maybe He's not called you to. Exactly. Like I I don't I don't know what God's capacity is that He's called Trevor of age to. Here's what I do know: I'm just going to be faithful with whatever He puts in front of me and not try to not screw it up. That's it. Well, yeah, like I I mean I've heard it not phrased this exact way, but like Trevor of age is not created to be Craig Rochelle. Absolutely. Greg Rochelle is not created to be Trevor of age. You're going to reach people and be in rooms with people right. that he'll never be and vice versa. Right. And, and we have different callings. And here's the deal. If, if him and I end up in the same room together at some point, I'd love to pick his brain and maybe he'd want to pick mine, but here's the reality. I want to be, I want to be a fan and supporter. I don't care if, if you're in a church of 50 or you're in a church of 50,000, how do we all impact the kingdom with the gifts that we've been given for the place that we're at? 
Now, if you're stagnant, complacent, and you, you think church growth is dumb, well, then read the Bible, because that's not true. Um, but but the reality is, is that I'm just talking about in our world, just apply this to your world as a listener, like however it is for you. The comparison game is the greatest lie and trap that Satan can set for you. And, and this is why I think that the devices, you got to put it, you got to curb what you're ingesting if all you're ingesting is people's social media content, you're ingesting something into your soul um, that is not healthy because it's trying to cause you now to live to a standard that you think, well, if I just do this, then I'll be this. I, I mean, yeah. it happened to me, like, I, I want to say probably eight, 10 years ago, um, unintentionally. Like, I've, I've never been one to go out and go, I want celebrity. I don't care about that. First of all, I know people that are celebrities. They're no different than you and me, bro. They just actually it sucks a little more for them because they're under a microscope that I'm not under. Um, but I had this moment where I'm looking like, well, if I want to be influential for the kingdom, I got to have this many followers on social media. I got to have this over here. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I did all these things. It wore me out. And I was completely depleted because I was trying to live to a standard that was not my standard to live to. And then, but here's the other side is I'm not going to put my standard on you. Now, I'm going to try to raise you to be better. That's my goal. I want you to be better sure. as Dylan than you were yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to make you me. I want to make you the best version of you. Um, Jeremy Jernigan, who was here um, on our podcast, preached for us here. Um, he had a, It was on TikTok a couple weeks ago. He posted this, um, that at this stage of life, every person he hangs out with, he's trying to figure out how do I have a conversation that makes them better? How can I speak into their life to make them better? Um, now better doesn't mean that I agree with everything you do. It doesn't mean that, um, that I condone everything you do, but Dylan, if I see you on a collision course, I want to build a relationship with you that says I can sit down with you and speak into you life and, and help you see why I think you could navigate life a little differently to be better, to be more healthy. Um, if I see you going down a bad mental road, like you should have enough friends around you that can speak life and health into you that when you're going into a mental spiral, they're not telling you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. Well, and like, just, just like, just a real honest example. Um, when Melissa left to go to, to officer training school, um, yeah, I, I was really worried. Like my past struggles with pornography, I was like, I'm like, that's not who I am and that's not what I want. But I know that whenever I get in these dark places and I'm alone, I know that that's where I feel a tug. Um, yeah. Because let's just be really honest, like just because you've beaten something like that doesn't mean you don't still feel attention at points. Absolutely. There's things so that I I've had, conquered I had, that I still want to go back to. I have friends in my life who I called and said, you know, I just had that conversation. I'm like, hey, here's what I know about myself. I know myself well enough to be afraid of this. I need you to check on me. Yeah. And having those like having that relational equity to say, hey, Lucas, like this is something that I know I'm, I'm going to struggle with in the next you know, five weeks. I need you to check on me. Well, and it, not, not to make light, but it, it goes back to a, like a nineties hip hop line, uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. You know, now Rex and effects was doing that for like the, the beat, but it, it's actually a really good line. If you, if you don't have people that can help check yourself, you will wreck yourself. You, you will, you'll wreck your marriage. You'll wreck your, your, your job. You'll wreck your, your family, your legacy. Like there's all now here's the good news. If you've done all those things, if you've wrecked everything because you haven't put any mental checks and any and physical checks and community checks in your life, um, here's the good news. If you still have breath, you have an opportunity to, to redeem, restore, and recover. And that's, I think, the greater lie is that you think because you've gone down all these bad roads mentally that 
well, now you're too far gone. Um, and I've been there. I've had that moment where I'm like, why would God want to use me? I'm way too far gone now. And God's like, no, you're not. Yeah, you know. And I'm reminded well, and, through, through scripture of all the people that fell off the ledge that God picked back up. Well, and I think as we kind of like wrap this podcast up, like I, I think that we can leave our listeners with with what you said at the close of your message. Like, how do we start transforming our minds? And it's this, like we need to identify our biggest strongholds. Yep. We, yeah, we can't absolutely. defeat what, what can't be defined. And so like what I just said, for me, that was me defining that moment of saying, hey, like I know this is something that I struggle with. This is real for me. And I need, like, I'm defining that. I'm putting the definition on it. And then I'm not just stopping at defining it. I'm going to say, hey, this is my community. This is my circle. Right. These are the people that I'm going to allow to speak into me, to check on me. And yep. so that, like, that, that's where, like, heading into the next few weeks of this series, like, that, that's, that's the action step. That's the takeaway, right? Yeah. Well, that, the teaching at the end of that message where, um, it, you know, that you name the truth that demolishes the stronghold. Um, well, and we talked about John 8 right there where, Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, you got to let the right truth speak into you. And the right truth is going to be, first of all, I would encourage you, let scripture speak into you. It's not, it's not the only thing to speak into you, but let's, if you don't have a habit of being in scripture, um, there's download the U version app and get into a reading plan. There there's reading plans for mental health. Yeah. There's actually one for winning the war in your mind. You can go read through it. Um, but that, and, and prayer. But the other thing I would say is get people in your life that are going to speak that truth into you. Um, and it's really interesting is that uh, right at the end of the message in Second Corinthians 10, it says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive. And the teaching we talked about there is actually the Greek word for captive was a war term and meaning capture with a sword. Well, if you look at the armor of God, the only offensive weapon is the sword, which is the word of God. So if you want to take thoughts captive, then let the truth ring with the sword of truth. That is what will will take every thought captive. Um, and then you run it through the filter of the truth of good community. Put people around you that you trust biblically to go, hey, I think I'm, I may be in left field right now, and I'm not sure what to do with it. Great. Can you confirm or deny that? And And don't get one person. Get two or three people. Um, because I may be the person, I, I don't know everything. I may be like, man, sounds great to me. But you may talk to another friend and go, oh, time out a minute. Something sounds off. Or you get two or three people together and have that conversation with trusted people. That's where you start to win this battle in your mind. Um, and we're going to unpack more of this as the series develops and, and, and as a part. Um, but I would encourage you lean in. Lean in hard. Um, and if you know somebody that's struggling, help them lean into it. Be their community. Be their community. Love on them. Set boundaries, though. You don't. You're not their savior. There's only one savior. It's not us. That's Jesus. Yeah. Um, but you can lead them to a savior. Help them get there. Um, so, Dale, before we get off here, what what do we got? What do we got coming up? Because I and we didn't do coffee time intentionally today. We knew this was going to be a, a just kind of a heavy episode. Um, a lot to unpack with this, and we could honestly we could spend another hour talking about this if you want to know the truth. Um, but I don't know if anybody wants to hear us talk for another hour. Um, I don't. I don't want to hear me talk for another hour, um, but we'll talk more next week for sure. But Dylan, what, what do you what do you got coming up that we need to know about? Um, well, we talked about it a little bit last week. When we've talked about it on the podcast before. Global Leadership Summit. Yep, is rapidly approaching. Yes, um, that's going to be a, a really coming in moment. August. But registration actually, what do you got? About a week and a half left for early registration. Um, May the registration. I think early registration closes on May third. May third. So this is you're hearing this on the nineteenth. You got about two weeks. Um, to get in on that early bird. Here's what I would tell you. This this could be one of the best investments you make in your leadership 
is gospel, or gospel, listen to me. Uh, yes, the Gospel Leadership Summit. Uh, the Global Leadership Summit, um, the, the lineup of speakers that you get uh, exposed to um, is really, really amazing. Some of the best speakers on the planet Earth, some of the best leaders. And here's what I love about GLS. They don't come in and, and give you their stock leadership talk. They come in and actually talk to you as a leader to a leader. And yeah. um, I, I love the realness of it. I always have. Um I think Patrick Lencioni speaking this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. Uh, one of my favorite authors, leadership authors. Uh, the line, If you go to the GLS website, Global Leadership Summit website, you can uh, actually see the lineup and see what's going to be in, in store this year. Uh, but we're hosting it right here at Pantano on site. It'll be simulcast, and uh, we'll have a bunch of fun stuff for you that that stretch of the GLS this year. Um, get signed up for that. We've got uh, – what else we got coming up, Dylan? Anything? Baptism Sunday. I know we just had a huge Baptism Sunday for yeah. Easter Sunday. But it's coming up again on May 14th. May 14th. Here's what I would tell you. Ask any of the 145 people baptized Easter um, if it was worth it. Because uh, what God is doing in the lives of those people is unbelievable. And I think all of you should experience it. If you've never been baptized, um, I would highly encourage you just begin to contemplate whether you should do that um, on May the 14th with us. We would love for that to be a part uh, of what you do with us. Um, and then also this series, we're in the series uh, next week, right back here. We're going to be talking about winning the war in your mind. Um, and if you know somebody that they could use this one, I would say send them last week's message and then bring them this weekend. Get them here with you. Um, man, the best gift you could give someone is helping them win the war in their mind. Get them to Jesus. Help them win the war in their mind. Um, Dylan, how are you guys out there in San Diego? You doing okay? Doing great. Good. Doing great. Well, I... I you know, I know we joke a lot, but uh, seriously, I miss you guys being here in town, but I'm so thankful that, um, hey, Do Not Disturb just went off on my computer because <laughs> I only did it for an hour. Look at that. Which means we've been doing this for over an hour now. Um, but I, I I, do seriously miss you and your wife, but I'm really thankful that um, he's put you in an impact zone in Chula Vista and San Diego. Um, it, you know, and I know she's going to be going away for three months. And yep. as we're talking about this topic, uh, Dylan, I'd remind you and remind our listeners uh, we may be a little more open about what the emotions are through that time period. Um, so you as the listener can understand, Hey, we're all going through the same thing. Let's be in it together. Um, let's, uh, let's make sure that every day that we're going and making, not sitting and taking that, uh, we go from being, uh, Sunday takers to everyday makers, um, and helping people see Jesus in new ways. Um, Dylan, I love hosting with you, man. This is so much fun. Um, even if it is through a screen and I'm, looking at Mickey Mouse over your shoulder and all your coffee paraphernalia back there. And um, I, I love doing this with you. And listeners, if uh, if you like taking the journey with us, do me a favor. Would you share this? Um, it, when it pops up, just go share it anywhere on your social media so we can get more people in the conversation with us. Um, you can interact with us in all of our spots. You can, you can answer questions. You can send us voice memos on Anchor. You can we would love to hear from you more. Uh, and we're talking about doing Zoom coffee time. That was something that came out last week. So if you'd like to have coffee with us sometime for like, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, you make your coffee, we'll make our coffee. We'll sit and have a conversation about coffee and uh, life and how you're doing. Uh, Dylan, any closing parting thoughts as we wrap this episode up? No, I'd say the same thing, man. Super grateful to get to do this with you, uh, even if it is on the other side of a screen. Yeah, and uh, we're both on the edge of the earth. You're at the edge of the, the coast. I'm at the edge of the country down here um, at the bottom. Like we're, we're, we're close to it. Um, if you fall in the ocean, call me. I'll come uh, pull you out if... Uh, if I fall over into the other side of the border down here, just call me and come get me. Okay. I may need some help. Um, I keep feeling like edge, I say edge of the earth. I'm like, do I fall into like a ravine or something? If I go down there, like that's everyone says we live at the edge of the earth, but um, actually I love Mexico. It's beautiful down there. Um, it really is. Actually, 
I want to go to Oaxaca with you. I got a buddy that some of the best coffee in the world comes from Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, there's only one spot in the country they really allow that coffee to go, and it's my buddy's coffee shop in Mason, Ohio. Um, and he leads trips to Oaxaca. And we ought to try to get on one of those. Um, Oaxaca is fun to say, too. Um, every time I see it spelled, I'm like, that's how you spell that? Huh, who knew? Um, but, well, thank you all for being a part of the Make Podcast. We're so thankful that you listen. Um, Dylan, we'll be back here next week. Is that right? Same time, same place. Same Make channel, same Make time. We'll be right back here. We'll see you then. Have a great week, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.